y'all want to turn in your Bible, everybody got your little picture? We'll put it up for a minute, but you're going to need that. If you want to turn in your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of Luke, chapter 24. Luke, chapter 24, I appreciate you so much being here this morning. I hope to see all of you next Sunday. And next Sunday, visitors, I appreciate you being here. I do realize that there are some amazing churches with some amazing preachers in Troop County, Georgia. And you chose to worship Resurrection Sunday morning with us. We greatly appreciate it. I um, would love it if after the service you had an opportunity to take a few minutes. I'd love for you to come down front. My wife and I get a chance to meet you and talk with you for just a little bit, learn a little bit more about you. If you can, if you'd maybe just fill out that blue card and, and hand it to one of the ushers at the door there at the end would be great. This morning, here in the book of Luke, chapter 24, beginning in verse number 1, it says, Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came into the sepulcher bringing spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. Sure. And they found the stone. Rolled away from the sepulcher. They entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. I just assume you didn't do it right now, but after the service, you're welcome to come peek inside for yourself. He ain't in there. You won't find him in there. Y'all do like you do a lot of times. Come on and take your family pictures right there with the empty tomb and use it for your Christmas postcard. Let them know this is why he came in the first place. They entered in and found not the body of the Lord, and it came to pass, they were much perplexed thereabout. Behold, two men stood by them in shining garments, and as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said, he said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He's not here. He is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. They remembered his words and returned from the sepulcher and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and other women that were with them, which told these things unto the apostles. That would be the remaining eleven disciples, the apostles of Jesus Christ, who walked with him every day, who saw him cause the lame to walk, give sight to the blind, the mute to speak, deaf to hear, called Lazarus out of the tomb. They were with him every day. They saw all of the miracles that he did. But verse number 11 says that their words seemed to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. Father, thank you so much for this precious book. Thank you for your love letter written to us, God. Lord, I thank you for a faith that can believe, God. I pray you'd strengthen our faith this morning. I pray you'd do what only your Holy Spirit can do and divide among everybody here. Speak to each broken heart, each one that's in need, each broken family, will you pull it together? Each broken marriage, will you pull it back in? God, I pray you'd do a mighty work. I pray that sick would be healed. God, I pray that if there's anybody lost this morning, may souls be saved and added to the kingdom. You've been good to us, Father. Thank you so much for this time. I ask you to bless it and to anoint it. May your Holy Spirit move in this place. We love you. We thank you and we praise you in the precious holy name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. So here in our text, Jesus has risen from the dead. The grave is empty. And the very men that he made the promise to, the very men that he invested so much time into, the very men that he spent so much time walking with and talking with and showing them the way, they don't believe it. 
Jesus spent his final days explaining the situation to them, preparing them for what was about to take place. He told them, even as we did in the upper room at the Lord's Supper, he told them, the Son of Man, I'm going to be arrested. That They're going to take me. I'm going to be mocked. I'm going to be spat upon. I'm going to be abused. But he leaves them with his hope. All three of the synoptic gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke Give us the same thing. He said, on the third day, I will rise again. The disciples have chosen to look at what they saw on Friday versus what they now see on Sunday morning. You and I make choices. You choose what to look at and the things that God puts before us. Amen? They they were focused on the events that took place last Friday night, and they were so focused on the worldly events that they couldn't see the spiritual aspect of what has taken place now on Sunday morning. So back in December, I preached a message on a clear image, and we looked at a clear image of Jesus Christ. We looked at the Old Testament prophets and what they prophesied of Christ, and we looked at how Jesus Christ was the fulfillment of those prophecies. He did everything that the book said that he would, and we looked to get a clear image of who Jesus Christ is. But this morning, I want to look at a message, and I want this one to be a clearer image because I want us to know who we are in Christ. We can't have a clear image of who we are in Christ until you have a clear image of Christ. So if you need some help, you can go back, faiththegrains.com. You can watch it on YouTube, Facebook, Vimeo, wherever you need to, to get an image. But this morning, we're going to look here at ourselves. The the text says that their words seemed to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. See, the disciples have a choice here. What do I focus on? Do I focus on what I saw in the world? Or do what I focus on Jesus Christ, the Son of God, said, kind of like our choice. Do I focus on what the world's given me? Or do I focus on what the Word of God's given me? They were so focused on the worldly events that they couldn't see the spiritual aspect, even though it's right in front of them. Even though they were looking at the empty tomb, even though the grave was there and Jesus had made the promise, they couldn't see it because their vision was blurred by this worldly view that they had of the things that they'd seen. Today, all of the promises of God are right here. They're written, God has never changed, he will never change, he wrote the promises, he'll never break one, he'll never change one. So we have all of the promises right here in front of us. The empty tomb is always there, it's never going away. The cross is always there for you, it's never going away. Grace is always there, it's never going away. Mercy, always there, never going away. Forgiveness is always there. Never going away. Help to get you through the trial that you're walking through right now. Help to hold you up to get you through the fire. Walk you out on the other side without the smell of smoke. Help to get you across the stormy seas and calm the wind. Help is always there. It's never going away. It's right before our eyes. So there's two things that we've got to have a clear view of. The one is God himself. We need a clear view of who he is. In order to get that, we must read his word. He describes himself. He tells us who he is. He tells us what we need to know. But then we need to have a clear image of who we are in Christ. Too many times, God gives us things to do as Christians, and we don't do them. We don't think we can. Oh, surely that ain't me. That's out of my comfort zone. That's your number one clue that God's given it to you. It's out of your comfort zone. 
We don't do things, we don't attempt to do things because we don't see ourselves the way God sees us. God knows that he's given us the ability to do what he's told us to do. God knows that he will empower us to do what it is that he's sending us to do. God will never set you up for failure. God will never send you out to do anything that he does not have every intention of he himself doing through you so that others might see Christ in us. If you are a faithful follower of Jesus Christ, then you are a child of God on assignment from the king. Three or four of you heard it. If you are a faithful follower of Jesus Christ, you are on assignment from the king to deliver the king's message, to deliver God's word to a broken, dark, needy world, not just in word, but in deed. Not just in the things we say, but in everything that we do. Everything that you do in your life is going to influence someone. Whether you do good or bad does not change that. You're going to have a positive or a negative impact on someone in everything that you do. Every one of us is children of God. We have been empowered to do the work of the Lord. The Bible says we have been sanctified. That means we are set apart for a holy purpose. You're no longer of the world. You're a child of the king. If you see yourself as anything else, you need to change the lens. The clearer the image you have of the scriptures, the, the clear image you have of Christ, the clear image you have of God, then the clearer image you'll have of Christ in you. It is a picture that we need to see within ourselves. We, we need to be careful not to let this world define who we are. You need to be careful not to let the people that you work with define who you are. We, we need to be careful not to define ourselves by what we do. Many people define themselves by, this is what I do. Well, if I'm a carpenter, I'm a carpenter. I'm a painter, I'm a plumber, I'm, I'm a mechanic. No, that's not who you are. You are a child of God on an assignment of the king. The people at work will say, oh, I have this carpenter that works with me that goes to church. They're wrong. That's not who you are. They have a child of the king, and that is your mission field. That's where God has put you. It's not where you work. That's not what you are. This is what you are. Washed in the blood is what you are. Justified is what you are. Sanctified is what you are. Holy is what you are. Righteous is what you are. A mirror image of the Messiah is what you are. So where you work, that's your mission field. That doesn't define who you are. If you let what you do define who you are, that can be very easily changed. You change jobs, you change your identity. But our identity is in an unchanging God that never changes, never gives up, never removes. So the devil knows one very important thing. He knows that how you see yourself determines how you will conduct yourself. So if he can rob you of your identity in Christ, then he can rob you of what God has in store for you. Now, I'm not talking about being religious. Religion is one of the things that's killing the world as it is anyway. People can be religious without having a relationship. Religion saves nobody. Religion transforms nobody. Religion brings no help to the helpless, no hope to the hopeless, no cure to the hurting. Religion does nothing. See, that's, that's why we need a true relationship with the Father. This isn't about religion. This is all about a relationship. Paul tells us, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a 
new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. A relationship with the Father in faith through Jesus Christ changes us from the inside out. The problem with religion is it allows people to claim they have an identity with something of which they know nothing about. The problem with religion is it lets people verbally say, I'm something of which you may or may not be. If it's not evident in your lifestyle, there's a good chance you're not, since we shall know a tree by the fruit that it bears. See, verbal affiliation is never a true identity change. You can say what you want. You can call what you want. But it's what we are inside if we truly are washed in the blood as Christians. We looked a couple of weeks ago at chocolate chips. I'm not going to back up and do that one either. You can go back and watch it as well on chocolate chips. But we looked at Romans chapter 12. And I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. But our main text was be not conformed to this world. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Too many people today who claim to be Christians, they want God involved in their eternity. They just don't want him involved in their today. They want to make sure God's involved in their eternal life, but they don't leave any room for God in their daily life. They, they want to go to heaven when they die. They just don't want to present their bodies a living sacrifice while it's still alive. They want to conform to the things of the world and then be transformed back to a chocolate chip on the day when they get ready to meet the Lord. If we truly are, if we truly are a child of God, then our lives ought to be a living testimony of Christ. Everybody around it ought to know it without ever being told that. If you have to tell people you're a Christian, you're probably not doing something right. They ought to know that from the first hello. If they're a Christian, they ought to feel the connection. If they're not, they ought to feel the conviction. Well, that went. The fact is, we have everything that we need to be what God wants us to be. We just don't see it because we don't have a clear picture of who we are. We don't have a clear image of who, you are, who we are with Christ in us. Everything's right before our eyes, but we still don't see it. It's there all the time. never goes away. How many of you have seen that painting, Footprints in the Sand? Raise your hand. You've seen foot, everybody's seen Footprints in the Sand, right? So y'all know the story. The author talks about it, and you've got this beach, this long beach with one set of footprints. And, and what the author is saying technically is I've looked back over my life, and I see two sets of footprints walking along. But every time I came into a trial, there was only one set of footprints. Every time things got bad, every time in my world turned upside down, every time a bad issue came along, there's only one footprint. Where were you? And that's when God told him, he said, my child, the reason there's one set of footprints is because when you were walking in the hard times, that's when I was carrying you. See, he didn't have a clear image. I know it's just a painting, but it says the same thing. He didn't have a clear image of who Christ is because Christ said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So he couldn't have been gone. Because he didn't have a clear image of Christ, he didn't have a clear image of himself. He, he thought he was expendable. He thought that God could just go in the hard times and if he made it through, he'd come out on the other side. But Jesus was always there. He never once left him. In order for us to be what God wants us to be, we have to see ourselves the way that God sees us. 
That takes daily Bible reading. I said that takes daily Bible reading. To see yourself the way God sees you, that takes daily time in prayer. That takes some one-on-one conversation. That takes not just on your knees in a closet for an hour in the dark. That takes just riding around talking to Jesus. That takes being in your car talking to the Father. That takes sitting out by the lake fishing, talking to the Father. That takes spending some time one-on-one so that he may show us who we are. See, God sees us as so much more because when God looks on us as a child of God, as a Christian who's been redeemed, God's looking at us through the blood of Jesus Christ. Therefore, he sees us as one who can do anything that Christ did because he's the one going to do it through us. Jesus said, if I go, all these things you can do that he did and greater than these because I go to the Father. So when God looks at us, he doesn't see us as helpless. He doesn't see us as defeated by the world. He doesn't see us as beat down by COVID. He doesn't see us as weaklings that can't get by. He sees us as a powerful fortress. We are a tool in the hand of Almighty God that can accomplish anything. It just takes a measure of surrender. What matters is that he's always there. You just can't see it. So when you came in, they should have handed you a picture. Everybody got your picture? I've seen some of you looking at it like this, so I know you ain't seen it. Because it's got a little thing that says top. So if you would look at it first where it says top. Anybody don't have one of these needs one? Anybody need one of these? Everybody good? You get one, you come in. So, so I, I want you to look at it. What you have here is a three-dimensional shadow box. This box is several feet deep. You can see in it. Inside of it, there are six rolling hills. There's three crosses staggered on those hills. There's an empty tomb a lot like this one at the bottom, except the the round stone is on the other side, and it's partly blocking the opening to the tomb. It's, It's all right here. It's right here on this piece of paper. Most of you don't see it, but it's there. Raise your hand if you don't see it. Raise your hand if all you see is a bunch of little dots. So the picture is here right before your eyes. But you can't see it because you're focusing on all of the noise. See, the same thing is true in our lives. Many times you see yourself. It's what everything around you tells you you are. You you see yourself as what the world identifies you as. Some people have told you that you're no good. So people think they're no good just because that's what the world told them. Some people think they'll never amount to anything because that's what somebody in their past has told them. Somebody thought they could never be used by God because that's what religion told them. Some people thought that that you could never be accepted here in the church because that's what the devil told them. But the truth is all of those are lies because the word of God says in Psalms 139, 14 that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. God himself made you in his own image. He knows exactly what you are. Psalms 41 or Psalms chapter 4 verse 3 says that the Lord has set you apart for himself. He said that he will hear you when you call him. Jeremiah 31.3 says that God has loved you with an everlasting love. That means it will never fade. It will never fail. It will never go away. There's an endless love for you. Romans 5.8, God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus is talking, John chapter 3, beginning in verse number 14. He said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up 
that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world. Who is that? The world is the lost. The world is what we were. Paul talks about it, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. He's painting a picture of the world and all those who will not see the kingdom of God, those who will not see the face of Jesus Christ except as a righteous judge. And he paints out all kinds of evil pictures, murderers, extortioners, adulterers, whoremongers. But then he throws in thieves. He throws in things like liars. That means that... that, that at some point in our past, we were all those. Because he says, of such were some of ye. He says, but you are washed. That means you ain't dirty anymore. There's no sin-stained garments on you anymore. You are clean white by the blood of the Lamb of God. He says, but you are sanctified. That means that you have been set apart by God himself for unholy use. He says that you are justified in the name of Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, he says, and by the Spirit of our God. That means that whatever we've done in our past through the blood of Jesus Christ no longer exists. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever, anybody a whosoever, believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Verse 17, God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, that the world through him might be saved. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, the apostle Paul is writing a letter to the church, to the redeemed, that would be to Christians. And he says that we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ. That, that means that you are a sweet savor. You are a sweet smelling aroma. You are a sweet fragrance to God Almighty. Anybody see yourself as a sweet fragrance? God says we are. Jeremiah 33.3 is posted right out here. God's talking to you. He says, call unto me. I will answer thee. I will show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. I walked out last night. It must have been about 10, 15 after 11. I got home from the church. I walked outside. I let the dog out of me. And I got to looking up. Man, the, did anybody look at the stars last night? Wow. Man, it was amazing. It was beautiful. I stood there speechless thinking, how in the world could he love me? How could the God of all the universe, how could the God that put the stars in place, calls them all by name, knows everything about everything, how could he even care anything about somebody like me? Yet the Word of God tells me that the hairs on my head are numbered, including the ones I'm missing. God knows where they're at, where they fell out, and why I can't have them back. God knows, well, I would say how many of them are white, but that's pretty much all of them that's left. God knows and cares everything about us. See, the world can't see what we are in Christ unless we allow them to see it through us. The world can't even see the things of God because it's hidden. John 12, 40 says, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart that they should not see with their eye nor understand with their heart and be converted. Anybody still looking at the picture? You ain't heard a word I said, have you? Have you seen the picture yet? Oh, I see some heads shaking. So, I'll tell you this. If you stand up, you better be able to describe this thing in detail because I'm going to call on somebody in here. If, if you can see that picture, the true 3D picture, I want you to stand up. It'd be a good testimony to those in here who can't. The picture's in there, right? I'm not beating around the bush. Telling a true story. 
Ron, tell them what's in there. You see the tomb? Can you tell what that is in the tomb? Hey, I'm, listen, I'm looking for help right there because I ain't figured it out yet. Yeah, I assume it's the bed where he laid. So not, nonetheless, thank you. you. You can be seated. What you have in your hand here is a three-dimensional picture. Many of you can't see it because you're looking at it in 2D. Now, I'm going to help you for a minute because I want some of you to try to see it before we leave here. I will tell you this. Don't do it now. When you get home, you can pull your phone up, your computer, look at how to view a stereogram. And it'll give you several different things. Let me give you three of them real quick so all of you can be through listening to me for the rest of the morning and you can try to work this out. But one of the easiest ways to see it, but let me tell you first off, you cannot look at this piece of paper and see what you want to see. You cannot look at the surface. You cannot look at the noise and see what's inside the picture. There's more to this picture than what's on the surface. There's more to you as a child of God than what people see on the surface. What, what is in you is in you. But it can't be changed. It can't be taken out. It's in there. You can't take it out of here. It just takes a little work to see it. So it's going to look really blurry to you if you do it right. If you ever focus on these dots, you'll never see what's in there. But if you'll put it against your nose, and I know some of you do. I've already seen you doing it. That's going to look funny. Get a good live stream snapshot. Put it there by sit. It'll really help you if you put it on your nose. Y'all got to put it down for a minute so you can do the illustration. If you're looking at the paper, you're never going to see what I'm telling you to do. If you put it to your nose and you look through the piece of paper, look at the faith sign, look at something, but you're looking through it. You're like Superman. You got x-ray vision. And you're looking through. This thing is blurry, and you begin to take it away, and it stays blurry, and it stays blurry, and it never comes reality. No, I'm just kidding. There it is. It begins to take shape, it gets a little blurry, and then it just opens up, and, and there's your three crosses setting back on the hills, three-dimensional crosses, and your six layers, and your empty tomb, and, and the stone over here to the left. It, it's all right there. So let me give you a way number two so you can go ahead and try it. I had it printed on glossy paper for a reason. They ran out of glossy paper. For some of you, the, the paper's not glossy enough. But if you will find something that is a reflection in the background, it'll be like a light deep down into the picture, and you get that light deep down into the picture, and you begin to stare, preferably not in the center of the picture, somewhere kind of off to the bottom a little bit, and you stare into that picture. As you're looking deep into the picture, there it becomes the image. Everything else begins to come into focus, and you see what's there. Nothing's changed. It's still there. The other way that worked best for me, I'll give you this one, and then when y'all get home, you can try it. Yeah, like, yeah, right. I'll be looking at the back of these things for the rest of the morning. If you will focus on, well, you focus on me, that may be a little far. Find something like that plant that is a distance. How many of you know that your eyes are autofocus? Anybody have to focus your eyes when you look at something way off and then look back? They automatically focus, but that's because you draw your attention back to what's close. When you look off at something in the distance, leave your eyes focused there. When you bring this up, don't focus here. Keep your eyes focused at that distance. Keep your attention so that you're looking through the picture. And if you look through the picture, it's supposed to come. <laughs> Hold that thought. There. 
It becomes the crosses. But you have to look through the picture. And if you ever move it, then you lose it and you start all over again. I'll go ahead and give you some freebies. You can tilt it. You can see it upside down. You can't see it sideways. And if you do this at all while looking at it, you'll lose it. It, can't not, it cannot be turned or twisted. So, so the reality is the picture is there. It is very important that you do not focus on what's on the surface. Let me, let me give you this for free because some of you are going to say, I can't see it. There's less than 1% of the world that cannot see in this stereo vision. So the problem's not that you can't see it, the problem's that you don't see it. See, in order to, to see this, it takes a little time. It takes a little effort. It, it takes a little work to actually see the image. You don't just pick it up and there it is, but it's there. The same thing is true in God's Word. In order to see the things that God has for you, in order to see everything that you are in Christ, in order to see everything that God can do in you and that God can do through you, you got to put some time into the Word of God. you got to put some time into studying. you got to put some time into prayer, and then God can begin to show you things that you can't see otherwise. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, The secret things belongeth unto the Lord our God, but those things which he revealed belong unto us and our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. Colossians 1, 26 says, Even the mystery which has been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So here's what happens in life. The image is always there. We just can't see it because of all the dots. See, the devil puts all kinds of distractions in your way. The devil's got a tackle box full of shiny lures. And he's all the time sending a little spinner bait by. And if you didn't chase that one, he'll throw a crankbait in there. And if you get that one, he'll jig a spoon in front of you. But the devil is always trying to put dots in front of your eyes. And that keeps us distracted from the things that God has in store. He's always trying to, to keep us busy looking at things right here. We don't see the picture because we're looking at the surface because that's what's easy. We, we don't want to put in the work to be everything that Christ wants us to be. It takes a little patience. God, help us with that word. Did he say patience? cussing up on the stage in the church it, it takes a little effort many people will never see this for what it truly is not because you can't you just simply won't you get frustrated and quit how many of you know that people will do the same thing in the word of god you read something and they don't understand it so rather than look into it and try to learn more about it they just set it to the side that just went right over my head. Or, or they try to find something easier, try to go ask somebody to explain it to them. I can explain to you what's in here, but it's not going to give you near the joy when you actually see it. See, God has so much more in store than what's on the surface. That's why it says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek ye the things that's in there. Then all these things will be added to you. All of his righteousness, everything that matters. If you seek what's inside, seek, seek the things of God first. John chapter 12, verse 44, Jesus said, He that believeth on me, believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. He that seeth me, seeth him that sent me. I'm come a light into the world, that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. Jeremiah 29, 11, he said, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. 
Then shall you call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. Isn't that awesome? You shall seek me and find me when? When you shall search for me with all of your heart. It ain't just laying here on the surface, but it's there for you. And if you want to find me, just dig in the Word a little bit. Dig in prayer a little bit and search for me with all of your heart. And I will reveal myself to you. In order for us to be what, what God has designed for us to be, we have to see ourselves as so much more than what we see. We have to see what God sees when he looks at us through Christ. We just don't see it because of all the noise. That There's no way, there's no way that we can be the image of Christ if we do not have a clear picture of who we are in Christ. And if we do not see who we are in Christ, and we do not walk who we are in Christ, then how can we possibly expect the world to see Christ in us? But if we look inside there and we see everything that God has in store for us, then it opens up so that the world might see Christ in us, that they might see Christ through us. They, they look deep inside. I wonder what people see right now if they look deep inside. Would they see an image of Christ in me? Or would they just see a blurry image? See somebody caught up in all the noise and it's just a bunch of dots. Romans chapter 8, Paul says in verse 31, What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? If I had to change anything, it would be that. If God's for us, it don't matter who's against us. Hmm. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword? As it is written, for thy sake we're killed all the day long. We're accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Verse number 37. Nay, in all these things we are more. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. That's how God sees us. God sees us as more. I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature, or any other dot, or any other color, nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Christians, we are so much more than what we have become. This world needs you and I. This world needs Christians to stand up and be Christians. This world needs to see a light. I'm afraid our light is there, but it's been hidden under the bushel basket for too long, and the world doesn't see it. We are more than we have become, children of God. We, we were last night, we were talking and talking to our centurion John and the timing and all happening and the timing going on the play. And I said, man, your timing was impeccable. Where'd that come from? Oh, that comes from Lion King. Anybody see Lion King? Y'all know Lion King? Raise your hand to Lion King. Don't let me out by, yeah. If you got kids, you have to see Lion King. And if you don't have kids, you better see Lion King anyway, man. It's a classic. So, so y'all know the part where Scar has eaten, eaten the bird and Mufasa walks up and, and Scar and he has to spit him out and the bird... Sir, your timing is impeccable. <laughs> so so that, that, made, that made me think about that. 
That, that's like us as Christians. You remember, everybody knows the story, Simba's little bitty, Mufasa's killed there in the stampede. And, and he runs, Scar runs him off, and they find him out there. The buzzards are about to eat him, and they, and they raise him up. And you remember the part at the end, after his girlfriend's done come back and seen him, and now the monkey, the monkey's cool, man. That's a bad unit. The, the baboon's a bad dude. And he comes out, and, and so Simba goes out, and he, and he falls, and, and he's looking to his father who passed away years ago, and he says, you said you'd always be there for me. Anybody ever feel like that about God? You said you'd be there, kind of like four days late. All of a sudden, this big old majestic lion comes popping out in the crowd. Simba, <laughs> you are more than you have become. That's what Christians are. He's a child of the king, the son of the king, rightful heir to the throne, but he's made himself a friend of a pig and a meerkat. There's nothing wrong with being the friend of the pig or the meerkat. But you still got to be the child of the king so that they can see that in you. As Christians, we have become more. We are children of God. We are children of the king on assignment from the king. We are joint heirs to the throne of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we've got a job to do. But our vision has been blurred by what the world says we are. It's time to stop looking at the world in 2D vision and seeing what people around you tell you you are and let them define what you are and start being the child of God that is placed deep within. It's there. And it's a whole lot more beautiful than these dots. When you see it, somebody that saw us say amen. How many more people have seen it now? Anybody seen it while I've been talking? If you didn't stand up while ago and you now see it, stand up. Let me see how many of that is. That way I know how many people ain't been listening to nothing I've been saying. <laughs> Take note of that. Write them down. So see, you, you see it's growing. The, the number of people there. So, so it's there. We can see it. It's been there the whole time. It's never going away. It's never going to go away. It just takes a little work to see it. If you are a saved, born-again child of the living God, then who you are in Christ is there. The devil can't take it from you. The devil can't steal it, but he can cause you not to show it. He can't cause you to get caught up in the busyness of the world. You can become so busy in the things of the Lord that you can forget about the Lord of the work if you're not careful. But when we see who we are in Christ, and we begin to be who we are in Christ, then the world's going to see Christ in us. I want you to take the picture home. Don't leave it laying in here. Number one is the reason I don't hand out bulletins anymore. I got tired of picking stuff up that I hand out. I want you to take it home with you, and I want you to look at it. If you've seen it, well, that's good. You can use it, and you can amuse yourself by showing it to other people who can't because it drives them crazy. If you don't believe that. Brandon, where are you? Have you seen it yet? Y'all pray for him. <laughs> Y'all help the staff. Miss Sylvia took a picture of us standing out after the staff meeting Tuesday, and we're all out there in the hall. She said, boy, that's a staff meeting right there. I'm like, man, I tried to delete it, but she wouldn't let me. I want you to take it home with you, and I want you to look, just because it's there. But, but here's the deal. If you'll just, it's kind of like the chocolate chip. 
I told you next time you eat a chocolate chip cookie, you'd be reminded of who you are. That chocolate chip did not conform to the cookie dough. It did not conform in the oven. The chocolate chip remained its true identity, and that's what we're supposed to do in Christ. Maintain our true identity no matter what the blender does, no matter what ingredients are put in, no matter how hot the fire in the oven is. Maintain our integrity. The same thing is true. When you see this picture, I want it to remind you of who you are in Christ. God loves you. God has something special for you. You are a child of the king on special assignment to deliver the king's message. The world's told you that you're no good. For some of you, the, the world has told you that, that what you've done is, is too bad. You can never be saved. For, for, for some of you... Some misguided religions have told you that, that God doesn't want you. That is a lie from the deepest depth of the darkest hell. God loves you. God sent his only begotten son to get on Calvary's cross for you. And God said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The empty tomb is there for you. You just have to do some work to see. It's your eternal life. It's your security. You'll never lose it. He's never going back in that grave. And the empty grave, the one that he walked out of, is the one we're walking to, right? The cross is there for you in your deepest, darkest trials. It's always there. It, it never goes away. It's just up to us to reach out and take it. I, I wonder if there's anybody this morning that, that is a Christian that, I don't know, maybe you wasn't getting the clear picture, maybe you wasn't getting your identity right, but... But you've been running from God for a while, and you know it. And you're like, man, I'm, I'm tired of running. I'm a Christian. I want to act like a Christian. I want to live like a Christian. People look inside me. I want them to see Christ. I want them to see I'm, I'm a lot more than, than just a, a bunch of dots. But I wonder if there's anybody here this morning that you've never been saved. You've never been washed in the blood. See, the, the thing about... Running from God is, number one, you can't get away from him. You can run out of time. You run out of time, there's no changing it then. But the beauty of, of it doesn't matter how long you've been running from God. It doesn't matter how many times you've said no. It doesn't matter how many times you've tried to escape. It doesn't matter how long you've been running in the wrong direction. If you'll just turn around, you don't have to run all the way back. Because <laughs> if you'll just turn around, he'll come running to you. The prodigal, the father saw him while he was still a great way off and ran to him and fell on his neck and kissed him. God will do the same for you. I wonder if there's anybody this morning you've never been saved. I want to ask if you would to bow your heads right where you are. Close your eyes just for a minute. If you have never trusted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you can change all that today. You can be a child of the King. You can be changed from the inside out. You can be so much more than just little dots. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit inside. There's a three-dimensional image inside you that when the world looks, they can see Christ in you and Christ through you. But it's up to you. Are you willing to say a prayer this morning? Because it's up to you to accept the gift. It's up to you to say, Lord, I'm a sinner. It's up to you to say, Lord, I'm asking you to come into my heart and forgive me of my sins and save my soul in the precious holy name of Jesus. It's up to you to come to him. The gift is there. The gift is offered. The blood is there. The forgiveness is there. Grace and mercy is there. Salvation is there. It is a gift that is being offered for free, but if you don't take it, it'll do you no good. 
Will you reach out and take the gift this morning? Lord, I'm asking you to come into my heart, forgive me of my sins, and save my soul in the precious holy name of Jesus. If you're willing to say a prayer like that, surrender your heart to God, not lip service, heart service, then you're just as much a child of the king as anybody in this place. 